Welcome to the Behind the Vision podcast. In this episode with Ray, we explore his start to becoming an architect, creating spaces with simple resources, and his solo trip to work in Ecuador. Hope you enjoy the show. How did you become interested in design and architecture? So yeah, like I was saying, I'm not really sure exactly how I got into it um, or like interested initially. Um, uh, Yeah, I had a big appreciation for kind of my grandparents' house on uh, northern Minnesota. It's like in the forest with the water on the shoreline and all those natural qualities um kind of with that building there was like something special and then all the family and friends using it uh I was like something's going on here and then I think my um cousin actually he's not practicing architecture anymore but um I learned when I was like in fourth grade he was doing architecture school Mm. and I was like what's architecture and it was like building and design and I was like, oh, that's that's right where I want to be, I think. Yeah. I was like probably, uh, yeah, probably eight, nine years old. Yeah, so. so it was like this, almost this natural instinct of like seeing your, was it your grandparents' house? Yeah, yeah. So like you just naturally felt a pull to it almost. And then you had your cousin that was in fourth grade that was like, was he, he was in fourth grade and he was doing design architecture stuff? No, no, Doc. So he was, he was in college and I was in fourth grade. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so clear things up a bit. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, he was, you know, 20, and I was, you know, eight, nine, or whatever fourth grader is. Um, and yeah, like you said, kind of just like naturally drawn to that like space of like, oh, like, you know, you go to a beautiful park or forest or building, and I kind of would take note and really appreciate that. and yeah um i was like it's got to be something real about you know real real space real building and being able to contribute to cool environments and Mm -hmm. and positive spaces like that i was like just kind of stuck with it and throughout as like in the back of my mind i was like i was playing hockey and other things but i was like yeah i kind of just want to do this i guess so yeah yeah Yeah, i mean you're doing it like full-time now which is awesome but i was like doing a deep dive on your instagram before this and I mean, you were posting way, like, years ago, almost maybe when you were, like, in high school or college, maybe. And I came across this photo of you were with two other people, but it looked like you did, like, a architecture competition where you had to, like, build models. And I remember looking at your model, and then your model looked so much superior to the other two models, almost, because it was just, like, you built out this entire, like, landscape with a house, and the other two models just had like houses i don't know if you remember oh, that at all true. you know like yeah that was probably in like school or something um, okay and it was probably a group project or something or i don't know if it was a competition but um yeah different it's funny you say uh the the one or mine looked superior because it was probably just like different approaches to the model or what we needed to do or something so mm-hmm. um i'm gonna deflect the superior comments <laughs> it just looked really cool i guess <laughs> so yeah that's awesome i'm just trying to find the photo but 
If oh, not, back no in the oh, true. Yeah, it was back on Instagram. Way back. Jeez, uh, I don't oh, think. Oh yeah, I'm it was find probably it. In, in college, but, early college. Yeah, so you went to college mm-hmm. for architecture design. Um, what was that like for you? Where did you go to college? Yeah, so I went to school, architecture school, at the University of Minnesota here in the Twin Cities. Um, it was a great experience. It was kind of uh, lots of different strategies, classes, approaches, you know, to whether it's design or the science, the materials and methods of, you know, architecture, um, the people involved, like the sites and the places involved. And I think it's good for every student, including myself, just to kind of see really how much of a big, like, um, scope that architecture is involved in, you know, it's, it's involved in small scale and it's involved in really large scales. Um, and so, yeah, I met, uh, one of my best friends, uh, he's actually a musician now, but, um, we both share a lot of architectural projects and, you know, I sometimes jam with him with music stuff and, um, I think it just kind of speaks to like architecture and life being like really like tied to each other. And I always kind of think about that. Um, met a professor, my professor Gabriel, um, who is now my friend that really like was like, oh yeah, like gave me a lot of confidence of just like, you know, doing the, doing the kind of architecture and the kind of um, approach to architecture that I'd been being guided towards, but like, I didn't know if I was possible to practice in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, which is saying, you know, you truly can have a agency as an architect to use, you know, good materials to have like a simplicity, um, to have a overall approach to and an attitude in architecture that can really generate good relationships between people and places. And, um, you know, it's 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 just funny because I'm I'm finding myself, you know, doing doing the architecture stuff, um, and whether it's a built project or a competition or an unbuilt project, it always feels like, um, yeah, like it's it's not like um, a job or anything like that. You just know, just love it. I just really love it, and I think it's like, um, yeah, it's something I'm grateful for at the end of the day. I think as any someone, any person that's grateful for uh, what they do, um, mm-hmm. if you can find a space to do that, I think it's a really special thing. And, um, you know, kind of providing for yourself or people around you is, is part of it too. But, like, if you're able to find a, a, a space that you can do something that you're interested in and you kind of take a constant research or... Um, perspective of how can I, you know, better myself and the people around me in this environment. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a space that architecture uh, has allowed me to do. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, kind of a long ta- tangent there from school, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's bound yeah. to happen. Yeah, that's awesome. So like one of your, one of your like school teachers in college, like gave you the confidence to look at architecture differently. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. More, more of like, it seems kind of like he gave you more of a trendy freelance approach to it almost where it's like, Hey, there's a lot of things that are going to be standard, 
but like be willing to do what you think would be best um, when it comes to architecture and be willing to take the risk to kind of go on your own path with it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and that professor, um, in the same way that, um, you know, architecture or architects and my architecture professor inspire me is like how any, you know, musician, um, filmmaker, you know, anything like you could be making, uh, you could mowing lawns or something, you know? (laughs) Um, but any, any sort of person that has like really been focused and has like a kind of care for what they do to kind of go out and not just like, um, just kind of do it as what they're doing, which is okay too. You know, sometimes you're, you have other passions besides your, your craft, but yeah. Um, professor Gabriel really kind of gave me that confidence to continue doing what I was doing. Um, and the approaches too of just like, you know, almost like a return to some really simple concepts of building and architecture that's that somehow get lost in standardization of buildings and the quickness of how you can build and to turn a profit. But he gave me the confidence to return to some really key, you know, qualities of architecture of, you know, using basic materials and methods, you know, that builders 200 years ago could achieve with bricks and, um, you know, whether it's concrete, earth, wood, a lot of those really simple materials and building strategies, they inspire me, you know, and are directly how I almost practice today with a sort of, a, you know, contemporary approach to space and how we live now. But with really basic, um, you know, approaches to how you can build something, you know, you don't need a, um, a team of hundreds of skilled people to put together a house. Like sometimes it only takes a couple people that know how to, um, you know, hoist a, hoist a wood post and like yeah. pour a concrete uh, post foundation and mm-hmm. screw some things together. You know, if under the right guidance, which is what an architect can do, you can really simplify the process. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty interested in that and in the works right now. So nice. You ever watch those YouTube videos of those people that will like build um, a house just out in the middle of nowhere, just with like natural resources. You ever watch those videos? Yeah, yeah, I've watched some of those, and um, I follow lots of architects. Um, and a, there's a good example of like an architect in London that all of their projects they uh, strive to use um, the uh, I believe they're called local works. Shout out to local works. I think in London um, they. Um, they try to use basically any excess material on the landscape of their project to build whatever project they're building. Mm. So if there's any sort of huge rock rubble or, you know, uh, forest uh, is in turn and a lot of the trees are available or, or they're able to source from another waste stream, um, a different site to this project, basically they're always using like materials that already exist or they're not buying off the shelves so yeah kind of similar to what you're saying like really just slowing down and and kind of using your wit to like work with what you have to make something that can be pretty special based on just like a really simple means of like supplies so yeah that's cool just like using the stuff that's in like your surroundings of what you're building 
almost just using like those resources already there. Right. Yeah. Um, is that more expensive or like harder to do or can you like fit it in to your development pretty easy if you were to just use what's already there? Yeah, I mean, it's all about communication and the contractors and people you're involved with with any given project. And I just think in the States um, and in Europe too and other places in the world, like you get used to um, certain methods, you know, of, okay, we're going to get these materials off the shelf and the contractors know how to do that. But, you know, I'm big on if you can communicate from the beginning a certain process and communicate it clearly and effectively, um, you know, that can work just as well. So, and actually save money and materials. So, um, I think, uh, yeah, there's projects that illustrate that. I mean, that studio in London illustrates it, um, just takes a bit of effort on the front end and a bit of, you know, communication and, um, direction really to Mm -hmm. say, okay, we can do this. So, yeah. Yeah. Dang. Kind of going back to college, what was it like, for you making the leap from everything you're going through in college, like understanding the process of architecture to then going on the real world and starting to like take on some projects that way. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, kind of around that third year of school, um, is when I met Gabriel, I was probably, uh, yeah, I would have been a junior and, it was kind of around that time where I, you know, a lot of people were getting internships in the cities and stuff, and I just wasn't inclined to do so. I think with a lot of the way that, you know, and no disrespect to any of the the companies and uh, practices here in the Twin Cities, there's a lot of great practices and people, but I, I just wasn't drawn to, to what was happening. Um, and that gave me, a, I was a little bit insecure, honestly. I was like, you know, I saw all these projects happening kind of on the themes of what we were talking about, of really simple strategies, um, simple uses of materials to make really beautiful space. And I didn't, I wasn't seeing that. And um, I met Gabriel and uh, he, we shared an interest in a lot of these projects, whether it's in South America or Europe of these small offices and their building projects. And one day he was like, he saw me uh, reading a book from these architects in uh Brussels and this architect in um, Japan uh, it's uh, their office KGDVS and Go Hasegawa and uh, very uh, inspirational people to me but anyways Gabriel saw me reading his book and he's like oh that's a great book like I love that book and he's like you know ask, ask some questions we talk about it and he's like you should apply there and I was like wait what you know I was like what do you mean apply there and he's like send them an email, like show them your portfolio, mm-hmm. your website. You have a beautiful like, uh, content and work. And he's like, yeah, apply there or apply to a place like that. Um, and I was like, wow, like, okay. Like, I guess you can just, you reach out to some people that you're really inspired by. And even if it doesn't come to any, you know, even if it doesn't materialize, it's still like, a really positive like interpersonal way to go about practice so I did it I did that with them and actually my first employer Juan Tome of Tome Studio in Ecuador and Juan got back to me first and so then I moved to Ecuador and uh, we did some really simple beautiful house projects together 
Um, so you did that um, your junior year of college or right out of college? So that was right out of college. So that kind nice. of whole year after meeting Gabriel, I was, or half a year uh, semester after meeting Gabriel, I was kind of going through that process. And um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 different for everybody. And I uh, I uh, I just stayed true to to honest to my heart and myself of what I how I want to practice and who I want to learn from and how I can have a uh, a kind hand on anyone that's involved in my work and hopefully to make something beautiful. Um, you know, and I ended up just, yeah, I was working a server job through college. I would just make my own projects. I would do competitions. And ultimately when I did want to work and find people that Gabriel gave me the confidence to just reach out and it, it materialized. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm grateful for this today or yeah. to this day. So that's sweet. So you ended up moving down to Ecuador then to yes. join like their team mm-hmm. what was that experience like i mean you probably were like you know doing some was that your first paid gig out of college yeah yeah so exactly so um and it was just so i was it was just um one architect juan tome and so the team literally was me and him and oh. um i you know there's a lot of small groups of architects uh, practicing in studios to f- of five to ten and this architect in particular Juan who I'm still friends with um, if you listen to this Juan shout out to you you're hey, a beautiful man let's go <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah I got down there you know I could I had a little bit of Spanish background so but nobody speaks Spanish in Ecuador in Quito uh, the city in which I moved um, what do they speak well Spanish or, sorry, nobody speaks English. Did oh, say yeah, he said nobody speaks Spanish, and I was like, they speak nothing. What? No, <laughs> so yeah, nobody speaks uh, speaks uh, really English, uh, or at least in practice day to day. So luckily, Juan knew a little bit of English, and I knew some Spanish, and it was it was awesome. Like we had this direct. It's like kind of like math, you know, the universal language. Of like everybody in different language can read that in numbers, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Same way with visual architecture and space. You know, we communicated through drawing. You know, with pen, with the computer, with a collage, um, and obviously with words. But the main kind of backbone of our communication really was, you know, architecture and design. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, you know, like, um, just to be, just to be welcomed in and to be in a relationship of, uh, respect and, uh, lots of, uh, you know, yeah, just respect for someone that's, uh, 20 years ahead of me kind of doing the same thing I was aspiring to do of Mm. sticking true to, you know, the ideas and the values they really care about. And, uh, yeah, just a beautiful friendship to this day and really grateful for that. So, yeah. So was it the style that interests you to go and work for him? Yeah. So kind of hitting back in on some of like those ideas of, uh, really simple materials and methods. I saw a lot of Juan's projects from his website and they're using really basic strategies. I saw a lot of steel, simple steel frames. Um, you know, framing homes and spaces. And I kind of obviously use my context clues of it's, uh, it's like 60 to 70 degrees year round in Ecuador. Mm -hmm. So you don't need a lot of um, 
insulation or kind of heating and cooling. And so Juan took advantage of that, used his context, um, and basically stripping, stripping his spaces to mostly steel frames or brick uh, and steel projects. And it's just this really basic simplicity that allows these spaces to shine and people are living in them and making them their own. Um, but, um, yeah, sort of that simple understanding, those simple framing principles that, that give a freedom to the space at the end of the day. And kind of one of the ways I, um, I like to approach architecture and talk about architecture to this day is, is as a kind of a gentle frame for life. So, um, architecture being the gentle frame and then allowing any sort of life to unfold within it. So it's not an overly restrictive or overly dominant force, but it's uh, something that serves its purpose um, and ultimately allows the user or the users to, to live their life. And that was extremely evident through Juan's work. Um, all of the sights shine through, you know, it's um, uh, all the places that they're in are kind of at the forefront and then the architecture is kind of sitting and framing gently these these uh, places. Um, and one of the projects we did was a uh, it's a outside inside project, and it was like an extension wrapping around this existing uh, beach property of uh, Juan's cousin. Mm-hmm. And the project was literally a three meter by three meter steel frame grid box that. Uh, hosts a variety of spaces of couches, laundry, kitchen, um, a small jacuzzi, um, like a ping pong table. But the project itself is literally this uh, steel frame box that wraps around the the retaining wall of the property. And with a few point light fixtures, um, I think it was less than (laughs) $10,000 to make a really beautiful project um, that kind of, you know, takes advantage of its site and it doesn't overdo anything. So that, yeah, just a really inspiring uh, person and relationship. Yeah. How long did you work for him for? It ended up being about eight months in total. And so I only lived there um, for around three because that's how much my visa was. But um, I, ended, I worked remote a lot and, um, mm. you know, we'd talk and share and, yeah. Yeah, just absolutely uh, grateful for the experience altogether. Um, so you came back to the U.S. after your visa was up? Yep. Nice. Mm-hmm. Huh. What was your biggest, like, takeaway from having uh, worked with him and, like, that being your first paid gig in the architecture space? It was extremely uh, confidence-building. It was extremely... Uh, healthy and um exciting uh as a as a um uh, a, a contract of work to to have because you know it it, it uh, like i said it it gave me a um an example of someone that's practicing you know that's very true to a simple logic um and beautiful spaces and um it was really just seeing that happen. I think that's that's the main takeaway. Mm-hmm. Seeing and working and 
and saying, okay, like me and whoever I'm working with, we can make something really beautiful and have a conversation, you know, and get to the bottom of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and not overdoing it and not saying, oh, we need to force the issue or of it needs to be, uh, you know, so so much money or something, you know, like, or, or it needs to be done uh, in, only in this way, you know. Um, I think it was just seeing someone that was having a really beautiful approach to their, their craft and caring about it um, and kind of applying that into myself, you know, as I was there and afterwards. So, yeah, absolutely uh, amazing. Nice. I actually have a question from Brian, kind of on the Ecuador part yep. when you were down there. And he asked, what's the biggest thing you learned about yourself solo living in Ecuador? <laughs> yeah, solo living in Ecuador, biggest thing I learned about myself. It's a great question, Ryan. Thank you for the question. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. I think um, what comes to mind, I'm going to go with the first thing that comes to mind, and that's uh, gratitude. Uh, gratitude for myself. Um, and that, that might sound selfish, but... Just the gratitude of um, being able to live and being able to, <laughs> I guess, realize that if you if you want to go in a direction, um, you you can make it make it happen, you know. And um, you might run into struggles of you know monetary or uh, limitations that don't allow you to do it. Um, and there's going to be hiccups, but, um, yeah, it was a situation where I wasn't making very much money, but I was thankful for myself to, to stay true to my heart, to, to do, to practice architecture in a way that I believe in. Um, and just the gratitude for the people around me in terms of, uh, in, uh, Ecuador and my friends and family and all the beautiful people, uh, there that I gained to trust, um, yeah, so just the gratitude for for the beautiful world around and and uh, yeah the uh, in myself of realizing okay yeah you you can take an approach that you have uh, some say and that you you want to do um, just just the, just the gratitude for making that step in in that direction. So I mean, it's awesome that that was. You're, I mean, I've, I've probably said this before, but I think it's so cool that right out of college you have this opportunity to travel but also learn for someone that's doing it like 20 years. Like, yeah. that's, that's an awesome opportunity. Um, when you were living there, like, what was your day-to-day -day like? Did you stay in, like, a hostel? Did you stay at his place? So, I, no, so Juan actually offered me to stay at his place. At the time, I already... already uh, uh, booked out uh, Airbnb, <laughs> or sorry, it was a ver verbal, verbal, okay. um, for this little uh, apartment uh, studio, tiny, probably 350 square feet. But the the owner Sandra, who is just an amazing person, uh, Sandra is definitely not going to see this, but shout out to <laughs> you, Sandra. I love you. Um, she was the most wonderful host. She lived in the, the bottom floors, and I lived in the top in the studio apartment that was amazing. It was kind of glass views all the way around. 
and Dang. yeah and it and it was it was probably like built like 30 years ago so um the day-to-day was kind of you know Juan lived probably a five minutes walk from me and you know similar to what I'm working with now with my uh collaborator Julie um me and Juan would kind of work remote and then meet as needed in person um or with client um but ultimately working from where we lived with our wi-fi connections <laughs> making it happen so yeah that's awesome we meet at cafes you know we'd meet at uh Juan's apartment um but yeah just kind of uh working based on a purpose you know based on solving problems and then making a solution so really not overworking or not underworking basically yeah what was the culture like in ecuador and did you do anything um that was maybe different of what you do back here in the u.s like did you go surfing at all did you do anything wild and crazy oh man like yeah there's so it's just a beautiful country um there's so much going on geographically and culturally in terms of the activities there um you have surf towns uh the one called montanita that's just absolutely gorgeous i met some wonderful surfers there um you know i'm not uh i'm not a surfer by any means but got to dabble you know got to experience that lifestyle of like oh these these guys these people are really surfing full-time you know and um actually the surfers we met that were uh their form of or their the way of earning was they had a small hostel there and they would just run that um and then surf so um yeah there's there's mountain the town i lived in was based in the mountains so lots of hiking and mountain biking and um activities based around the slopes there um you have uh to the west, or sorry, to the east, um, you're getting closer to the Amazon. So there's lots of cultures based around the rivers there with rafting and kayaking. And um, yeah, there was some gentleman that took me on uh, these tours around one of the runoffs of like, the Amazon. And then um, they spend, I think it was like um, half their days out of the year on the water. So <laughs> I, like time-wise and it's like you know it's awesome seeing and kind of relating that to architecture and what i stand for is all of these cultures their buildings and their spaces were directly um responding to to how they lived to the materials around them what they had available um and you know their lives were at the center of all of those towns and those spaces and the architecture was allowing them to to be that but it wasn't something external or something you know overbearing that was kind of limiting or making it something that's not and so it's really inspiring to see a lot of times it's just you know the local builders and people there making use of what they have and to me that's really inspiring as an architect uh, because i want to incorporate that kind of um responding to those simple building strategies um and how you can make space around those so do you have a favorite city that you've been to where like you get there and you're just in awe of the buildings and the structures yeah that's a great question um i don't 
you know, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay on theme and answer right off my gut. Uh, I don't have any uh, key, key uh, cities that come to mind um, in terms of uh, buildings. Um, you know, it's more, it's more, it's more approach based. Um, and I think cities are beautiful because there's so much variety in approach, you know, and in buildings and here in the twin cities, for example, you have the old historic districts of brick buildings, right. Of new, um, concrete foundations and concrete columns and steel and all these things going on in the city. Um, ooh, now, yeah, you know, in the States, probably New York, uh, seeing like Chelsea and uh, Soho and those districts of those beautiful brick buildings, I'd say those. But if I could cheat, it would probably be like my experiences in Ecuador because all those little towns and stuff, they're fully using, you know, the the wood and like concrete cinder blocks, like only to build their projects. And that was like, or or steel frame or whatever they had. It was just like, dang, like, this is so, they're just so witty and smart with their material use, you know? And it's like just a direct response to what, what's there. So mm -hmm. yeah, not a, not a favorite city, but more of like just kind of seeing the diversity is super cool. And then seeing the approaches of like a specific place. So yeah. Yeah. The, the way that Ecuador, like how they structure their buildings was interesting. And like, I'd love to know, do you value more of like the space that you live in or like the property that it's on in terms of like location wise? It's a great question. Um, and this is something that I learned. Um, well, this whole uh, area of property uh, is, is one of the biggest takeaways of what Gabriel does and what I learned from Gabriel. Uh, it all starts with the land, right? So with the place you are. And property is a response to that. Who owns it? And so um, I can't answer one or the other is more important. Um, I think there's a fundamental um, quality to land and property that's there, you know. Um, and architecture a lot of times comes after that. Um, and it's, it's uh, directed by property. Um, and, and one of the things I learned and it was really interesting, I can't remember who said it, but there's the idea of like architecture with humans is inevitable. So, uh, humans, we need to create a space in some way. Um, we need to frame something on our places that we are, the land, the property. Um, so the best answer I could give is, uh, neither one or the other, but in the right scenarios, the relationship of the two is something that only a humans can can achieve, and I think there's something really beautiful there. Um, that it's the relationship of of those things at the end of the day uh, that a human that humans are um, basically always in relationship with their buildings and the property and the place they live. So that's why. Uh, an approach, a simple approach, and a site and cultural specific approach is something I really value. Um, and um, that, you know, a building is not stronger 
than the than the place it is, and the the place it is is stronger than the building. So, um, bit of a cheater, cheater, but I I got to stick true, you know. Yeah, I mean the the part about the humans being like the only people that are like species, I guess that could factor in like where they're building, but also what they're building. Because sometimes you'll see like birds building nests and the worst possible spot maybe i don't know if yeah that is kind of what you're getting at there of yeah. like just like maybe animals like they'll build their spot anywhere regardless of location yeah um and so <laughs> i guess uh you mean like animals sometimes seem dumb with how they're built yeah yeah, yeah so, like sometimes my dog will just post up on some like toys and sleep on them yeah <laughs> right And sometimes humans will do that same thing, you know, and with, yeah, with architecture and development, it's like, you know, why the hell did you do that? You know, like there's this, this or that right next to it or that we took away just to make this happen. Um, it happens all the time. I think um, it's just it's uh, it's humans, you know, it's uh, I think sometimes we're really hard on ourselves and that's it's good to do, uh, but to also really have a gratitude for us as humans of, of what makes us human and to really try to strive for the best, uh, at least dumb approach that like uh, sitting on your toys or something <laughs> instead of like it's comfy uh, pillow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What does your like process look like when someone reaches out to you and are they just like, Hey, I want to build something. Like, what do you try to, like, take them through to completion for it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's, like, different for every uh, architect and every person. And so I'm working with an architect collaborating. Uh, her name is Julie Taylor. And um, so I, I'm mostly working full-time through her. But I'll do uh, freelance projects as well that I have on my website. Um, and that, you know, I'm always kind of taking on new uh design the uh, prompts and all these things and competitions but for every person that comes to us or comes to me or comes to me and Juan or me and Julie um it starts with you know what is the problem or what what do we need trying to do what's the prompt what's the goal of the the person we're working with um and then To make a short answer, it's, uh, you know, how can we do do it and, uh, you know, how can we make it happen? Um, there's a architect in Sweden named Johan Arhav of Henrik Frick, and he says that um, it's a really inspiring uh, passage about approach. And it's uh, if you understand the, the problem based on its conditions, you'll have the solution. And... I just did a really short answer of, you know, what is the problem of we'll find the solution. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on, but it's it's fundamental to my approach as an architect to not over design or overdo or kind of do um, more than or less than what's ultimately necessary um, exactly in the space of what is needed it can really create something beautiful and, and let the light life shine in that space. Um, and so 
more detailed. Um, we'll take a survey of a site, you know, you know what's going on with the topography, with the infrastructures, and then we'll move into design conversation of what, what do we want to do? How much is, do we have to work with in terms of money? Mm -hmm. um, you know, general guidance and approaches as you would with any sort of uh, design conversation or question. Um, and in terms of my approach specifically as a designer, I think um, I, I have a kind of specific means of tools that I use uh, in terms of sketching. Um, me and Julie will, or me and Juan will communicate through sketching, designing. But then we'll, we have a pretty basic approach of how we show our work. In, and that's using simple like CAD, like 2D software and like, this software called Rhino, it's a 3D software, and we'll make simple plans, floor plans, sections, which is uh, basically a cross uh, section of a plan that shows the heights and the building from the side, um, and then also 3D images. And we'll, I'll do a lot of 3D images through collage and Photoshop, and like um, basically as it would appear in full rendering, but through the method of collage. And sometimes my images might look more in the realm of like a rendering, but it's actually always a collage. And uh, I think there's something really important for me in that way of your, you have an intention of every view you show um, as an image. And you, with a collage, you need to start from that still of like a certain view um, versus a rendering from a model there's like millions of images you can generate from it. With collage, it's like you have an intention on a specific view and why it might mean something to the space. Um, and you're ultimately realizing what that full space feels like once it's built. And I think there's something really important uh, to that. And so, yeah, it's a lot of back and forth. Sometimes it's very quick and sometimes it's the first solution and sometimes it's the 20th. And a lot of the times it comes down to the client and how they like to work, you know, mm -hmm. how, how present they are in terms of, oh, you know, this or that. Or sometimes they'll be like, oh, no, like, go ahead and, you know, I want to see exactly what, what you respond to with this, this question, you know. So it's different for every project. But going back to that, yeah, uh, if you understand the problem, you have the solution, you know like a math equation it's you don't need to overcomplicate or overshow your work it's it's there uh, when the project starts so yeah so when you're working with like another person do you share mock-ups with them as they come or do you share like a share like a full render of like what their space could look like so yeah i mean a little bit of both well well a lot of times we'll use plans to communicate um, we'll use reference images of old projects and say, okay, here's how this part of the plan will feel based on, you know, where we are in this room. And then here's like an example of a project that has a similar material or spatial quality. And then as the process goes on, we'll use uh, collage and show those real like rendered images. And then it'll be like, you know, oh, like we'll do this or we'll do that. And it's all about specifying and just getting closer to what what that space is going to be and exist as. Um, 
and I think it's it's something to learn and important that um, yeah you can you can um, ultimately at the end of the day you it's a real built project um, and you're striving for the best built solution of a building and not for what it appears as on screen right so um, these architects in Brussels they hit that hit that really well the ones of the book I was reading and on the idea of yeah you're always striving for um, a built solution or a real solution and not sort of the methods of communication making it something that it's not or something that is surreal you know it's uh, I was very grounded in how can we be most true to what is being built here so yeah nice and you, do you spend most of your time doing design or do you spend it doing other things as well? Oh, yeah, probably not most of the time doing design because we design on such a simple basis based on the prompt of what building and the client and the site, you know. So we're, we're very natural. We're very inspired by simple design methods. So design itself actually doesn't occupy a ton of uh, our time. Um, but it's t- different types of design, I guess. So we're always trying to hone in and get a grasp on basically how to execute whatever we're doing and communicating with the builder, communicating with the, you know, the mechanical crew, communicating with city people of how... And as an architect, you're kind of directing the whole building process, you know, so you're you're running material estimates of cost and all of these things. And design is the, the gel of that thing. But for us as designers, we don't overdo it or over design. We always stick true to a response to what whatever the problem is and then negotiation there. But um, it often ends up being, you know, how we communicate the design we're spending time on and how we can communicate with others what we're trying to get done. Um, so yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Callie asked a similar question kind of to that. Um, it might be, you might give the same answer. Um, (laughs) she asked, what is your creative process for starting new projects? Yeah. Thanks Callie. It's a good question. Um, like it's always uh it's always uh in relation when we start a new project as I was hitting on about um communicating with the client what's going on in the plan uh with the previous project of some other architect or us um the creative process I think it's always inspired by existing projects and existing buildings you know because it's what is it's what is there as history it's what works with material works with uh simple materials of wood or brick or whatever you're using um and we're up in minnesota so it gets really cold you know and we always are taking influence from projects of sweden and finland norway that are dealing with similar climates to us so whenever we start the creative process we're designing we are creating this space from scratch 
but we're kind of sampling just as a DJ or artist does all of these different material concepts, you know, and then we're, we're hybrid creating a space that is their own, you know, mm. but it's important to note in the world of architecture, you're always working from, you know, materials and methods, um, or I, or I think it's to the benefit to work from existing materials and methods and, 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 um, kind of hone and, uh, create based on those versus trying to reinvent the wheel every time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually, it's actually the creative process is, yeah, on one hand it starts with the site, with the place that it is, with the, the building, and then us as designers framing, okay, here's how the space might look. And then incorporating all of these buildings and beautiful projects that already exist and saying, okay, here's how we can do this, how, how we can do that. And you talk to any architect that uh, exists or, you know, that I've been inspired by, and they'll, they'll say the same thing about, um, you know, history is now in the sense that all of the buildings of the past that are built are existing now. So it's what we have to work from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do you usually go to for like inspiration on projects? Do you, do you stick to like Pinterest? Do you got some other <laughs> platform you use? Um, so again, it's, it's, it's all these existing, uh, projects. Um, I follow a lot of different architects and have like a inspiration pool of a bunch of images in my computer, you know? Um, in terms of the uh, inspiration for a project, like how the space is going to be, it's always very natural. It's always very inspired by the person or or us of like, okay, here's what, here's how we will design it. Um, but yeah, no, it's never like <laughs> I I never find myself looking for inspiration. Actually, I, I it's always just like very based on the problem and the condition we have we're making something there and yeah i always think it's really interesting of that conversation of inspiration you know because i I don't know if i ever am like actively looking for inspiration it's more okay like there's this material joint connection how how can we do this based on historical precedents you know and so that will be an example of like a of a of use of like a precedent example. Um, but in the beginning of the design process, it's always very inspired by the site, you know, maybe the, the trees, the, the landscape, the, all the natural conditions, the people, the culture that is there. And then really just letting that framework come out, you know, and I, I can't give an answer to, to what that is. It's part of my, my brain at the end of the day. But, um, I'm always just inspired by the most existing things that are already there, ready for the project to to respond to. So, yeah, it kind of seems like you're almost taking like wh- what where you see and what you see as the problems. Kind of for so if someone wants to like build a house and they have an exact idea for it, you're not literally looking for inspiration. You're looking how to connect the dots to like create and solve what maybe they're actually like looking for exactly yeah it's uh it's guiding them and and helping them visualize through a process that ultimately they're going to be living you know 
Um, and I think that's the, it comes back to those qualities that I can't put a finger on that drip, uh, led me to doing architecture that allows me to have a conversation of someone with someone about a space that doesn't exist yet, you know, and to show them, you know, when there's nothing on the site that here's, here's what can happen. Here's, here's what we can make based on these materials and methods, um, and even just the going back to property, even just the property itself and the property lines, uh, the site that can have a huge influence on the shape, the uh, layout, and, and how it can engage that that place and and its even that most basic boundary of the place. Yeah. Do you have a favorite part about like what you do, mm. and do you have like a least favorite part? Huh. Yeah, good question. Um, ooh, yeah, I, I don't have a immediate answer that comes to mind. Um, <laughs> I I don't have a favorite and a least favorite part. Um, it feels so uh, kind of like. Uh, personal <laughs> to me so it's it's uh it's just like uh well it's um it's just kind of a constant work uh work in progress you know um and i think it's like um practicing architecture it's literally always uh there's always something happening and i guess uh yeah. Um, is there anything you enjoy more than the other things? Um, you're like, oh, yes, I get to okay. do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really do. Oh, man, I really do love uh, getting to that point where you're drawing. I, I love drawing. I love AutoCAD. I love creating images, um, communicating that to someone. So, man, yeah, to see, <laughs> and it feels really natural, but I guess you brought it out in a good way of, like, to see um, and to communicate that point where there's a project starting to happen. Okay, here's the plan. Here's the initial ideas of what the space might feel like. And to the, see the person you're working with or the people you're working with, like, oh, yeah, like, I can see, you know, and it's like, oh, man, that's beautiful. Um, it's like it's like you're giving that food for thought that they couldn't achieve themselves, you mm -hmm. know, without the guidance of someone that can spatially see it. Yeah. And, um, it's using the tools I have as an architect and my thought process and seeing that, that moment in that communicative effort, uh, between, between groups of people is really amazing. Yeah. You're like helping them create their vision for them that they weren't able to articulate and, like put together and you're helping them put everything that they want together. Yes. For their space. Yes. And I think it says it's such a beautiful thing because whether you're working with groups of people or an individual, their personality, um, you, you wanting to let them breathe and show who they are through this whole process. And as I mentioned earlier, some people, um, are showing themselves through this really kind of engaged kind of problem solving constant feedback thing and they just like to do that because that's that's them and there's someone people that say no like i want to see exactly how you might 
frame this or what that earliest response to the problem is. And it's just a beautiful thing of all these different uh, people um, kind of really showing who they are and you're just guiding that, guiding that and making a space at the backbone of it and that they can, they can use that. It's just like, yeah, that's, that's why you do it. You know, like, it's just like, it's, it's pretty special. And to know that architecture is something that is inevitable as humans to, to really appreciate those core values of what makes humans humans and that interpersonal relationships and using each other's tools and you're making each other help realize something like that's only possible between the two of you, you know? So, yeah. Would you ever design anything in the metaverse? Any, uh, any VR design and architecture? Oh, um, <laughs> no. No? <laughs> Hell no. What if Facebook calls you over and they're like, hey, we need uh, we need someone to be building some buildings in here. We got we got tons of plots of land, but yeah, no buildings. Maybe for the meme, maybe like, maybe just like throw on like DJ outfit and just like throw together some random shit in, <laughs> in the softwares. But uh, I think that'd actually be kind of funny. Like, oh, but I, I don't know, man. It's... I, I, I don't know. I mean, that'd be cool. I feel like just the architecture space in general, like having the ability to design it in like VR. Yeah. If you were to mm -hmm. create something like that and then you could show the people that you're just like showing the initial mock-ups to like, hey, here's your here's what we're going to build. You can almost like walk through it or something. Definitely. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah. So like that, that metaverse would be like a direct response to like kind of that full realism, like of using architectural tools, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's kind of a funny, like, irony in that of, like, it is just, like, a digital space, you know? So it's, like, in that way, it's it's almost probably just, like, okay, it's all just kind of, like, a, a fun house without any, like, physical or gravity boundaries, you know? Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know a lot about the metaverse, so I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going <laughs> to make a fool of myself here. But, yeah. yeah. When we... When we uh, Devin and I went to VCon, we saw a guy that was designing a banana, in a VR space, so it's possible. Oh, true, true. Um, I mean, he was going at it, lots of hand movements and gestures. So it probably definitely takes a while to get like functional with it, but it'd be I could I could foresee it in the future being something that like it could be offered or it'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Like I'm probably probably not the one that's gonna do it, <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> Whoever you'll, you'll get someone else to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you have a goal or big project that you would love to work on or be involved on? Um. Yeah. Uh, it's not one in particular, but it's more scales of approach of like different buildings and different housing strategies um and just different different approaches um yeah i guess at different scales of building like uh i'm i'm really in like a like operating in a in a smaller scale of architecture based on um yeah whether it's like salons or homes or anything that i guess only a couple people could uh know or um that 
uh, like a smaller team. Yeah, kind of? yeah. Because yeah. been in Mal- so you can't obviously do like huge projects. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You you just need a lot more people directing that process to do those huge projects. I don't, and I, I don't have an interest to to work on huge projects at all. I like stadiums and skyscrapers. It's uh, I'm more interested in this really basic uh, kind of from the roots of what a space is. You know, but. It's an interesting question because I would love to to be involved in a sort of um, I'm always so interested in housing strategies, so apartments and all these things, um, places that house you know many people. Um, because I think at the end of the day, ho- housing is essential. Um, and as an architect, I think a lot of times it's an area that people get exploited through and buildings and architecture and methods can kind of get um, exploited as well. And I would love, I mean, and I do this, have done this already, but have worked on sort of speculative housing projects that are working from a really limited means of, okay, you can only use this uh, amount of wood beams and like timber posts, you know, and trying to build a, like a suggested apartment or housing situation from that. Um, So to actually be involved in building something like that would be amazing. Um, And it's one of those co-living collective scenarios of like, okay, there's 25 units here and how can we use a very uh, sites or uh, location specific, say Minnesota, for example, um, using you know, wood from the site or from surrounding sites to make a very um, fundamental, like, project based on, like, yeah, the simplest methods, you know, wood beams, timbers, glass, all these things, like... You you kind of like being limited in that way where you only have so many supplies, but also supplies are, like, local. They're kind of unique in their style. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, a lot of the times with a lot of the new buildings in cities um, or anywhere is they're using a hybrid of different artificial materials perhaps. And so like the, the way the wall is built could use a number of vinyl or uh, plastic or steel materials that are sourced from other factories from elsewhere. But to work on like a, a project of scale that it is an apartment or one of those bigger projects that uses typically uses a lot of those materials and just use like a really limited means of like, you know, whether it's concrete, earth, brick, wood, like any, any material that you could naturally kind of create um, mm-hmm. to an extent um, would just be a really interesting project. And there's a few of those projects, um, you know, that, that I, look to and exist in the world and in a short answer i mean it's like it's like what happens in ecuador with those with uh timber uh villages being built from you know what they have right on site there and just kind of taking um an approach of materials and methods like that and as an architect directing a very clean uh spatial strategy there so like using very simple geometries and uh spaces um from those like materials i think that would be amazing so mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be cool um hmm. 
I know we do have to go play spike ball a little bit. Um, spike ball. But I, I do want to ask, so, like, you also really enjoy creating your own things. Like, out of the, all the things you own, what percent would you say are things that, like, you created and things you just, like, get? Oh, true. Wait, like, what things you mean? Oh, uh, like, yeah, sorry. So, like, so the jeans, like, oh, you have your creation yeah. on them. Yeah. I know you do a lot with, like, clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm kind of a wild cat when it comes to <laughs> just, like, uh, you know, my self-expression and what I do. And that's just, that's just me being me of, like, ultimately, and how I practice architecture, too, is, like, staying true to, like, what comes most naturally to myself. And so... Um, in terms of like what I create, uh, yeah, I kind of just fuck around with like, you know, going to the, all the different sections of like thrift stores or wherever and just start saying like, oh, like what, what would just look, what would I like to see? You know, like what would look cool? And, Hmm. and then I'll just do it (laughs) and it's just fun. You know, it's like everyone's living and dying and it's like, I just, I just do, do me. And it's like, it's fun when you realize like, oh yeah, you can email this person like that you uh look up to or whatever and if anything you can just have a appreciative dialogue with them and maybe even work with them and that's the same way i see creation and furniture and clothes too is like just kind of go for it and um Mm -hmm. i love how your mindset just like carries in like the same way you look at architectures maybe in similar fashion to clothing like yeah it's it's cool too because you'll see other people in their focused careers and they take their mindset not only into like their work but just their life in general yeah they, like yeah. apply it to everything yeah absolutely um and it's just something that i love how i uh i can be very specific and clear when it comes to architecture you know of delivering a very clear spatial outcome you know and being very focused about that and then kind of at the same time just letting letting that creative expression drive through that whole process of like through my body through all the music I can listen to through the things that exist there so it's like it's this constant approach of like refined and like chaotic uh, energy happening and it's just like you're negotiating that like all the time so yeah you get that uh again that definition of, of of how i approach architecture of being a gentle frame for life um because life is unpredictable you know life is chaotic or it's laid back but it's always dynamic and then architecture is a chance to to frame that and to make a space for that so yeah dude uh it's those it's those worlds you know and um it's just kind of funny yeah super super grateful to be doing doing what i do and to see anyone that's well shit i mean fuck you don't even have to do be doing something i'm happy to see you regardless of what you're doing so (laughs) yeah keep uh just keep doing whatever you're doing yeah just love it and love the process you know exactly yeah Yeah. exactly sick well to wrap up the podcast if you were to leave your last piece of advice to your younger self, got a little Ray. Yeah. What would that be? Um, what up? <laughs> I just say, I just say, yeah. Um, what's up? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, right, that's we got a- what's up, Ray. <laughs>
Yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get him off easy. I'm gonna. Okay. I'm gonna let that little guy buck. You know. Nice. <laughs> He's, yeah. That's the beauty of figuring it out. You know. Nice, so, dude. I like. I'm just gonna say what's up. What's I up, love, my dog? Love it. Yeah. Sick, well, Ray. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. I feel like we do have a ton in the architecture, and yeah. it's been things that like we've chatted a little bit about, and um, it was cool just to hear like your process, how you got started with it. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, pleasure to be here. It's always great to have a conversation, um, and just you know, hit on some some things and talk about it. So, Sick. <laughs> thanks, Doug. Thank you for tuning into the podcast with Ray. If you enjoyed it, please send us a DM on Instagram at Behind the Vision Pod or Ever underscore North, or leave us a review as we love to receive your feedback on the show. If you want to stay up to date on new podcasts and collection drops from Ever North, check out evernorthco.com. Thanks again for listening and hope you have an amazing day.